Good morning, everybody. All right. Uh, so over this last year, the leadership of our church made a decision that we were going to make a, a big shift in how we do church. Typically, churches uh, tend to focus on how can we build the church? How can we, how, how can we just grow the church? We made a shift from that to go, okay, we're, gonna be, we're not going to be about that anymore. We are going to be about what Jesus is asking us to do, which is go and make disciples who go and make disciples who go and make disciples. And uh, the, the, the shift is actually pr- it's, it's pretty significant. But I love how our, the, the ladies of this church are just, like, knocking it out of the ballpark in this. And, and uh, I'm so excited. Yeah, you can go ahead and make some noise. That'd be cool. And I just, I just love how um, people like Marta, who just have a heart for ladies and a heart to see um, women grow and learn what it means to follow Jesus in the context of relationship are just making it happen. So, Marta, I'm, I can't see you right now, but I just, I'm so excited about this. It's awesome what you're doing. And women's ministry yesterday, heard it just was awesome. So excited about that. Really cool. Are we going to be cutting out all morning? Should I switch mics? Yeah, I'm going to switch mics. Okay, let's do that. Okay. All right. So it's good to see the 8.30 crowd here this morning. Yeah, all right. And all the Seahawks fans said amen for an 8.30 service. Yeah, come on. We know what's going on. We know what's going on. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Um, We're in a sermon series right now titled I'm In, as you can tell by the banner on the back. And throughout this series, the challenge has been um, from, uh, t- to go from being kind of on the fringes of being a follower of Jesus, on the fringes of, of, the, of the church and the life of the church. The challenge has been to, to go from kind of being on the fringes to take a step more towards being a part of uh, the committed core of the church. Um, the group of people that are going, okay, we're going to do whatever it takes, uh, whatever it means for me, whatever it means for my family. We're, we're all in with Christ and his mission, specifically as it's lived out within the context of Christ the King Community Church. And over the past several weeks, we've been looking at core commitments that are involved with being part of that committed core. Commitments like consistently cultivating a vibrant relationship with Jesus consistently participating in biblical community through small groups, consistently attending corporate worship gatherings. And there's six core commitments that we've, we have as a, as a church network, CTK, have identified as being um, these ancient practices that people who are followers of Jesus connected to a church and, and the church's mission, six core commitments that, that people have lived out through the ages. And uh, we've covered five of these core commitments over the last several weeks, and uh, this morning we'll be covering the last one. And to be honest with you, for most in the room this morning, this last commitment is probably the most difficult, and it's the most difficult because it has to do with your finances. The last core commitment we're going to be covering is simply this. It's, It's a commitment to consistently steward my personal resources to finance the mission and ministry of my church. And this last one's a tough one because it hits you right in your wallet, super close to home. And so before you get mad at me because today's the day that you decided to bring a friend, 
or uh, because you've been uh, planning, you could have been at home watching the pregame as well rather than listening to a, a talk about, about money, I want you to realize a few things. First of all is this. Jesus taught on money more than almost any other topic um, that there is. He taught more on money than prayer and faith combined. And uh, we've talked about money only once this year. This is the second time. So we probably need to be talking about it more. Um, second thing is this. I believe that uh, the pastor that doesn't talk about money doesn't really care for the people in his church. And I used to actually get kind of worried and a little bit anxious whenever uh, I, I, I knew money was going to be the topic of, of a Sunday morning sermon. But that's different um, now because I get excited about talking about this area that keeps many people in bondage. I get excited about talking about this area that is still one of the biggest causes of divorce in our nation, this area that has people trapped. I get excited because I believe that God wants to set people free as we talk about, about money. And uh, choosing to not talk about money because it can be uncomfortable and can be awkward would be kind of like me standing on the shore as you're out in the ocean drowning. I've got a life preserver in my hand, but I'm not going to throw it to you because I'm afraid that it might offend you or make you uncomfortable. And I'm just, I'm just not going to do that. And, and the third reason why, um, uh, just the third thing I want you to realize before we jump in this morning is that most of us in this room, it's important to talk about because most of us, in fact, let's just say all of us in this room interact with money on almost a daily basis. We make it, we spend it, we use it, and so it also makes sense that we also talk about it. And this morning what I want to do is I want to go to a familiar passage in Scripture um, it's the story of uh, the master leaving, and then he gives his servants, uh, he, he entrusts them with some of his wealth. And it's a familiar passage, but I want to unpack what it means when it comes specifically to finances. And so uh, if you're nervous this morning, you're, you're just like, well, this is an awkward topic, I just want to encourage you, just relax, okay? It is all good. It's going to be all good this morning. But this story uh, that Jesus tells, he tells it to, to help us understand life in the kingdom of God. And it goes like this. Again, it, so he's talking about it being the kingdom of God, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted, that's going to be a key word, entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to another, one bag. Each according to his ability, and then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with the two bags of gold, he gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So Jesus is kind of giving us a picture of what, what, what's happening is Jesus is helping us understand that, okay, he's going to ascend up into heaven. He's no longer going to be here on earth in, in physical form, but he's going to entrust us with, 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 with stuff. And then at the end of the age, um, he's giving us a picture of what happens when when we leave this life and we go into the next life. And, and what we see happening here is this, this first guy who has been given five bags of gold, the master responds in, in, a, in a very favorable way. He's like, well done, good and faithful servant. 
um, come and share in your master's happiness. And the Bible goes on to say, the man with the two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with, investment, with interest. This master seems to be big on this thing that we're going to talk a lot about this morning called investment. He wants his servants to have made some gains with, with his money, anything. The first two, they invest it in a way that, that doubles their, their return. Um, the third is afraid, and so he hides it and makes no gains. And the master's like, well, at least, at least you could have, have, have invested in a way that you got some interest. Then there would have been at least some gain. Then the master goes on to say to this guy, so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And there's three just uh, three real, uh, big points that I want to unpack from this this morning. And the first is this. Everything that we have belongs to God. Everything. Jesus makes this clear when he starts the story by telling about how the master entrusted his wealth to, to the servants. And to entrust, it, it means that you, you take something that is yours and you place it in the care of of somebody else. I have in my back pocket here uh, a phone, a smartphone. It's a Google Nexus 6. Love it. It's, it works really good for me. And it's getting kind of clunky in my back pocket. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to let Becky, my wife, I'm going to let you kind of take care of that for the next half hour for me. And what I'm doing is I'm simply going to entrust that phone to Becky. Now, does that mean that that phone is, is Becky's all of a sudden? Uh, well, I guess if you get technical, we're married, so kind of, yeah, but work with me for a second here. Um, it doesn't. It's, it's, it's my phone. I'm, what I'm doing is I'm entrusting it to her, and it works the same way when it comes to your financial resources. They don't belong to you. They belong to God. But what we get messed up is we kind of get everything backwards, and we think that, that because we work so hard for everything that we have that it actually belongs to us, and we see everything that we have as mine. This morning, I, I woke up. Um, was woken up by my, my, my alarm clock, and then I proceeded to get out of my bed. Then I got into, uh, went into my bathroom. I hopped into my shower. Then I got out. I put on my jeans, put on my shirt, went down my stairs, went down to my kitchen, and pulled out my milk, my raisin bran, and had a, had a bowl of cereal in my bowl. And then I left the house. And, well, first of all, I brushed my teeth. You might want to know that. It's good to know. And, and then I used my toothbrush, and then I got into my truck and headed off to, to my job. And God says, no, that's not how it works. It's actually mine, Rich. I've just, I've just entrusted it to you. And, and just because we worked for it doesn't actually change the thing. In fact, God says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. 
But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Everything we have belongs to God. The second thing that we learn from this story is that God entrusts us with a portion of his resources, making us stewards of them. And so in Jesus' story, all three guys, they're, they're entrusted with the master's resources. One man is, is quite wealthy. He's been entrusted with a lot. The next guy has a little less. And then the last guy, um, he has the least amount, one bag of gold. We have all been entrusted with a portion of God's resources. Some of us have a lot. Some of us have very little. And before you jump to put yourself in the category of very little, let me just remind you that by global standards, all of us Americans are quite wealthy. We're the, we're the top 1% of the planet, globally speaking. But the point is this. The master entrusts a different measure of his wealth to each of us, and then he makes us stewards of it. But here's the deal. There is a right way in a wrong way to steward his resources. Just like, so with Becky having the phone, you go ahead and use that however you want. There's a Bible app on that. You feel free to pull that up. If you need to make a phone call at some point, for whatever reason, go ahead. Um, you can go in there and ch check in on Facebook. That's awesome. But, so there's a right way, but there's also a wrong way for her to, to steward or that, that phone that she's been entrusted with. I don't want her to go on there and, and Google, how do I join Al-Qaeda? Because that would probably have the FBI showing up on my doorstep this week. And that would just not be good, right? Please don't make any long-distance calls to China, any of that kind of stuff. I don't want that. There's a right way and there's a wrong way for her to steward that, that phone that she's been entrusted with. And it's the same thing with the resources that God gives to each one of us. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. In Jesus' story, the master doesn't just say, here you go, here's some, go here, here's some gold, Go have fun. End of story. No, what he does is at the end of each man's life, he holds them accountable. He checks back in with them to make sure that they have been stewarding those resources the right way. Two get it right. One gets it wrong. And we've all been given financial resources. There's a right way and there's a wrong way to handle those, those resources. And you want to know what the wrong way is? The wrong way is spend it all on yourself. Bury it so to speak, and just stuff that you want. Let your grocery bill, your house payment, your toys, your vacations, your kids, school and sports fees, your 401k, let, let all of your wants and needs gobble up every single last penny. In short, don't invest any of it. Now, I know what you're thinking. Okay, Rich, you just, you just said 401k. That's, that's kind of investing, isn't it? Um, well, not, not exactly. There, there's nothing wrong with 401ks, but that's not the kind of investment that God is talking about in this story that we just read. He's not saying that you need to go out, get an investment plan that's going to give you 100% interest, a return on investment. That's not what he's saying here in this story. He's not saying that you need to die with twice as much money as you currently have. Okay? So just if, if you're like kind of freaking out, that's not what this is about. But he is saying invest it. Put it away so that down the road it achieves some kind of return. Now, here's where, where God's idea of return on investment, though, is much different than our idea. We think invest our money so that 45 years down the road we have a lot more what? A lot more money. 
But God's not interested in 45 years down the road as much as he's interested in 4,500 years down the road. And God's not interested in fatter bank accounts as much as he's interested in people's lives. You've got to get this this morning. And, and you want to know the right way to steward his resources? Here it is. Invest, in a, invest it in a way that makes an eternal difference in people's lives. Invest it in a way that makes an eternal difference in people's lives. You see, in God's kingdom, the end goal of financial investment is not fatter bank accounts. The end goal of financial inv investment is people's lives that have been changed for all of eternity. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy um, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin I love that he used, uses the word vermin, just more evidence of Jesus' redneck upbringing right there. Vermin, you don't want to be in a place where vermin are going to destroy it. But he says, don't do that. And where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's saying invest in heaven. Invest in what's eternal. Because everything else is an investment that one day is just going to be it's not going to be around anymore. And, and let me ask you this. What's the only thing on this planet that's eternal? People. People. The souls of men and women are the only thing on this planet that's eternal. And when you invest your money in a way that leaves people's lives changed for all eternity, you are investing your money the right way. When your investment, when it results in the hopeless finding hope, when it results in those who are, who are under the, the curse and the weight of sin, find the life that comes when they put their faith and trust in Jesus, you are investing your money in a way that makes an eternal difference. When you are investing your money in a way that people who are, who are bound up and captive are set free, you are investing in a way that makes an eternal difference in people's lives. And when it comes to the financial resources that, that, that you and I have been entrusted with, like the three guys in the story, we all have been given a choice. We can bury it all in the temporary, spend it all in houses, clothes, vehicles, education, 401Ks, all that kind of stuff. Or we can invest it in a way that's going to make an eternal difference in the lives of people. Which brings up a few questions. Well, how do I invest in a way that's going to make an eternal difference in the lives of people? Uh, whether it's the... Uh, the $10 that are, that's in your pocket or the $1,000 you might make every week, how do I invest it eternally? And there's a clear answer to that in Scripture. But before I give you the answer, I, I just want to uh, help you understand there's some things that you need to understand. Um, I want to say a few things leading up to it. The thing, first thing is this. The only thing that makes an eternal difference in someone's life is Jesus in the gospel. That's it. The gospel is the message that Jesus preached. It's uh, the message that he is the way, he's the truth, he's the life, that God came to give his only son that whoever believes in him wouldn't have to perish but, but can have eternal life. The gospel and Jesus, th those are the two things that make an eternal difference in people's lives. But there's a problem. Jesus is no longer here on this planet in physical form to preach that, that message. He's gone back up into heaven. However... Before he ascended, he looked his followers in the eyes and he said, okay, I'm giving you a mission. 
I'm giving you this mission to go and make disciples, to let people know about the truth of who I am. And he, he, he looks at the first group of disciples, the early church, and entrusts them with this mission. The church, that's you and me, who have put our faith, tr- faith and trust in Jesus, we became Jesus' hands and feet here on this earth. Jesus lives in us. He works through us, so much so that Scripture says, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. He is the head of the body, the church. What this means is this. Jesus has gone back up into heaven, and we're it. We're it. We are plan A to bring the gospel to, to people that don't, that, don't have, that don't know about Jesus. We are plan A, and there, there is no plan B. We're it. One pastor put it like this. He said, the church is the hope of the world. Jesus entrusts his church with his hope, his light, his love, his grace, his truth. If you want to invest eternally, invest in a church that is spreading the gospel and equipping people to go and do the same. If we're speaking in investment terms, I would say it like this. The primary company in your eternal investment portfolio should be the church. Because Christ has given us this mission, the church, the people of God through whom he, he moves and works on this earth. Which raises another question, well, okay, what are you saying, that, that I need to invest, like, I just need to sell my house and my home and just, like, everything into the church? No, that's not what, what I'm saying at all. Um, God makes it really easy for us on this question when it comes to, well, how much should I invest in the work of um, the church? And his answer throughout all of Scripture has been, has been this thing called the tithe, 10%. Tithe actually is a word that means one-tenth. And I know you're like, you're probably thinking, okay, did he just say 10%? Like, give 10% to the church? Wow, this whole gig just got really expensive. Man, I could like go see Beyonce for 100 bucks. And like the, 10%, that's crazy. You could look at it that way, or you could look at it this way. 100% of what I own belongs to God. How generous is he that he only asks that I return 10% and leaves me the other 90% to do with as ever I please? Spend it on a home, spend it on 401ks, whatever. If you look in scripture and in church history, it's clear that tithing is God's historical method for starting and keeping us on track in our giving. Throughout Scripture, it's, the, it's been the standard, it's the baseline when it comes to the amount that, that people invest in God's work on earth, His work that makes an eternal difference. And we're not going to dive into this this morning, but in your, your sermon notes, I've included some Scripture references. Um, uh, I'd encourage you to dig into it later on at home. But whether people were giving 10% simply because they wanted to in Scripture or whether it was something that God was commanding them to do, the tithe, 10%, has just always been God's standard. Now, why did God pick 10%? I really have no idea. Actually, I got a little bit of an idea. I think it's because it's so easy to remember and it's so easy to understand. You know, I can teach my, I can teach my 7-year-old how to tithe on her allowance. And, and she's in second grade and she gets it. And... and if, if, if the tithe was like 17.307%, it'd be a little tougher, and, uh, you know, it would, be, it would provide just one more excuse for us not to do it. 
But, but listen to this. If you want to invest eternally, the primary way to do that is through the principle of tithing. Investing. Investing in the work that God is doing through your local church. But here's the deal. According to the research, only 5% of evangelical Americans in the country tithe to their local church. And there is a, there's a lot of reasons for this. Um, you know, there's the, uh, well, tithing, that's an Old Testament deal. That's like legalistic and all that kind of stuff. Or, or uh, um, I mean, the, the, the lists go on and on and on. But, but I think there's just, there's two reasons that tower above it all. And these are going to sting a little, but I'm just going to put them out there, okay? I think the two biggest reasons are simply greed and fear. We, we get greedy in that we just want all the stuff for ourselves. We're just never content. We want more truck. We want more house. We want more car. We want more clothes. We want more Legos. And I put Legos out there because yesterday I was at BrickCon in Seattle. You ever heard of this deal? It's like it's for adults who are really into Legos. And they make these like crazy crea- Lego creations. There was no kidding there was a space needle that was 15 feet tall that was all Legos. There was like this, someone had created this scene out of Game of Thrones. The whole thing cost $100,000 in Legos. Crazy. Now, I'm not judging. If you want to spend all your money on Legos, that's, that's totally cool. But I'm just, I'm just saying, we just can never have enough. And we, we so easily fall into the trap of greed. Or we're like the guy in the story who didn't invest because of fear. We're afraid, afraid that we won't be able to make ends meet, afraid that we'll miss out, afraid we won't be happy unless we get that new thing. Or as it may be a, a struggle that you deal with that's similar to mine, afraid that my kids will miss out. Man, if I don't take my kids to, to Disneyland and do the five-day hopper and like $5,000 later, they're going to miss out. And so we, 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 we keep it all to ourselves. We end up grabbing on tightly to our finances. Give, invest in eternally, not a chance. Our hands are wrapped so tightly around our finances that you couldn't pry them off if your life depended on it. And here's the saddest and the most deceptive part of it all. When we wrap our hands tightly around our wallets, what inevitably ends up happening is that our hearts also end up getting wrapped around our wallets. Remember Jesus' words. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart will follow your wallet or purse. Do ladies call it a wallet? No. Okay. Your heart will follow your wallet or your purse. It just will. If you spend everything on the things of this world, guess where your heart's going to be? In this world. But if you spend what you've been entrusted with on the eternal, guess where your heart's going to be? In the eternal caught up in loving the everlasting God, caught up in, in, in loving people. The first two guys in the story, they gave and invested in the eternal, and they were able to do this because rather than, than, than uh, greed or fear um, being wrapped around their hearts, their hearts were gripped with generosity. Rather than um, fear, they had this faith that if they just followed Jesus, that they, if they just trusted what Jesus was saying about giving and generosity, that their loving, caring Father in heaven, that he'd provide. And, and in closing this morning, I'm going to boldly issue a few challenges this morning. The first one is this. I want to issue a challenge to the givers in the room. And first off, I got to say, this church, 
I hear that stat 5%. I don't know the, I don't know the data on our church. I don't like dig, I'm not the pastor that's digging in. I don't, I don't know who gives what. Um, but in our church, we've got a generous church. I want you to know that. I am thankful for the generosity of this church, and we don't celebrate that nearly enough. But I just want to say thank you, and here's the challenge that I want to give to the givers. My challenge to you is to share stories about how God has blessed you as you've stepped out in faith and been generous. Because you know, you know, I'm talking about uh, just the the difference it makes in people's lives. You know that, and you're sitting there going, yes, yes, yes. I, I wish that everybody could experience what I've experienced by being generous. My challenge to you is to tell stories. Tell stories. Um, the next group that I want to issue a challenge to is the group that we're going to call the tippers. The tippers. So you show up on a Sunday, and the bucket goes by, and you're like, oh, yeah, I should probably find something in my pocket. You put it in there. You hop into McDonald's, and you see the little jar there for, for, for sending kids to camp. And you're like, oh, that's a good thing. So you put a couple bucks in there. You pull up to the gas station. You put something in there. Girls show up on your doorstep. You do something there. But it's just, it's, it's, all, it's kind of all over the place, which is not bad. But, but here's the deal. You're not committed. You're casual reaction-oriented, and you lack intentionality. And, and here's the challenge. Instead of giving the last of everything, scraping from the bottom of the barrel, my challenge to you is to give to God first. For the next 90 days, here's a challenge to you. Step out in faith and see what happens. See what happens if you get intentional with your giving. God says testament this. The only thing that in the Bible where God says testament. See what happens when you begin to step out in faith. And then the last group that I want to just challenge this morning is the group that I'm going to call the trapped. The trapped. And you have so much debt. The bills are just so big. Um, You have set up your life in such a way that there's just absolutely zero room for, there's no margin in your finances for you to give. If you were to give, then this week the water's probably going to be shut off because it it just can't happen. And you've got some options um, when it comes to getting out, setting yourself free from being trapped. The first thing, and, I, and I, this, is, this, this is the best option, and it's also probably a little the scariest. Get yourself in a small group. Get yourself in, in biblical community. You be, start to get to know some people. And, and as you begin to build trust with that group of people, I'd encourage you to open up at some point, be real and be honest, and just say, hey, everybody, my financial picture is a wreck, and I don't even know what to do. And, and, and hopefully, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure there'll be somebody there in that group who can come alongside of you and just help you begin to form a foundation when it comes to budgeting and all that kind of stuff and get you in a good place. And then as you start to live it out, um, they'll walk alongside of you. I think that's the best option every time. But there's other options out there. Um, Financial Peace University. I know a lot of you in this church have already done that. I've done it myself. It was, it was a tremendous help for Becky and I. It's this uh, 12-week class um, that just o- opens up the door on how to, how to just steward the, your finances in a way that's wise and in a way that, that will set you free. Um, we are, we're not offering a Financial Peace University in, in this church here, but our other campus, CTK Bellingham, is actually starting one this Tuesday night. And so if you're interested in that, the cost is 100 bucks per family household. It is $100 well spent. And if you're going, I want to have financial freedom, but I can't, even 100 bucks right now is just impossible um, 
Fill out your connection card, and we'll, we'll, we'll figure out a way to help you, help you get there. But don't stay trapped. Don't stay trapped. Another option that the county has is this deal called Wacom Dream. Um, just a great resource provided by um, this organization in our county to help people just start to steward their finances better, to, get, to help them get their financial resources, financial house in order. But do something. It don't stay trapped. Being trapped in, in this financial stranglehold, there's just no peace in that. Trust me, I've been there before. There's no peace in that. Get yourself free. You know, when it comes to finances, there's, there's two kinds of people in this world. There are rivers and there's reservoirs. There's river people and then there's reservoir people. Reservoirs, you know how a reservoir works. It just, the water just kind of flows in. The, the blessings of God flow into your life, and then what happens is it just stops there. You hoard it for yourself. You wrap your arms and your, your fingers tightly around the blessings that are flowing into your life. Rivers, on the other hand, are different, aren't they? The blessings flow in, and yes, as the blessings flow in, you enjoy it. You, 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 you're like a, a river on a hot day. You swim in them. You take a drink in them. You enjoy the blessings. I mean, let's, God, is, God blesses you because he's your Father in heaven who just loves you. He wants you to enjoy the blessings that flow into your life. But, but a river just keeps going. You don't hoard it for yourself. You share them. You give them in, in such a way that you're making an eternal difference in the lives of others. And my challenge for all of us today is to be like a river. When it comes to the financial resources that God pours into your life, be like a river to take what God has entrusted to us and steward it, to steward it in a way that makes an eternal difference in people's lives. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, you are good. I thank you for the blessings that you give us. I thank you, Jesus, that you've put us here on this planet and you've, you have just abundantly blessed each one of us. And I, Lord, I know that in this room some, some have have much, some have a little, but whether it's a lot or a little, Jesus, it's all from you, and it all belongs to you, and Lord, I pray that you would help us to be like a river to help, Lord, may we be people who are generous, may we be people who invest our money in such a way that it makes an eternal difference in people's lives, Lord, may we be people who are, who, who live in such a way that we don't we don't hold tightly to what you've, you've given to us, but we just recognize that it's yours. And we say, Jesus, how do you want me, how do you want me to invest this? And Lord, I pray for any this morning that are, are trapped. Lord, maybe they're trapped this morning in, in a, just a way of thinking where, they, where their, their thinking is that this is all mine and all needs to be spent on me. And, 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 and why would I give any of, of it away? I've worked so hard for it. And, and there's... They're trapped in that. Lord, I pray that this morning that, that, God, your word would be just the beginning of a new freedom that they would find in living a generous lifestyle. Lord, I pray for any that are trapped this morning just by the way they've been living. They're, they're trapped in debt. They're trapped in a, a life where they've just got no margin financially. Jesus, I pray that, that this morning would be the beginning of a journey, Lord, where they begin to just see freedom um, in, in their finances where they begin to experience margin in their finances, where they're able to be a blessing and just be generous in their finances. And Jesus, I'm so thankful, Lord, for how you have um, been working through the ministry of this church. Thank you for the lives that have been blessed. 
And uh, I just, I, I, I pray, God, that you would do even greater things, do even greater things um, through, through this church and through the, the generosity of this church. I pray in, in your good name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.